Welcome to Truth Transistor Radio. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hedrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 1618. Pride going before destruction. Hello, and welcome to episode number 22. This is Apostasy Part 10, which I will call Word of the Word of Faith Movement. Um, it's kind of be a, a, a it's going to be a combination of several things within mostly the charismatic movement, but it's not necessarily in that. And I'm not throwing all the charismatics into this, but it's like the uh, Word of Faith movement, the prosperity gospel, the ye are God's teaching, and perhaps the new apostolic movement we can throw in here. But it's several movements that are pretty common um, over the last century, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, my uh, podcasts have been less often over the summer especially because my personal business kept growing. The guy that I trained and hired in May quit on me after a month. Um, so that kind of left me doing things on my own as my business continued to grow and I was working long hours and by the time I'd get home, which was usually dark, eight or nine o'clock, um, I had no energy to do this. <laughs> or study for it or, you know, uh, prepare for it. So it kind of left me without a lot of time. But here I am again. I finally trained somebody and hired them again. Uh, so I have much more, uh, much less hours than I'm dealing with, normal hours for work. Uh, something I've been thinking about, there is a passage in the book of Revelation in chapter 18. Um, it's talking about Mystery Babylon. I'll start in verse 21. It says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, Flutists and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of the millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. Um, if you recall, I believe some of my podcasts on um, William Cooper in the past episodes, um, or if you're familiar with my YouTube channel, you might re know that my I believe that Mystery Babylon is the Illuminati. Or the secret societies, the mystery religions of ancient Babylon. Um, but verse 23, it says, The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all who were slain on the earth. Now, the word sorcery, I believe, let me just double check this so I don't lie to you. But I believe the word for sorcery there is pharmakia. So I'm going to double check that real quick. So yes, um, it says, the great ones of the earth, because by the sorcery pharmakia, uh, of you were deceived. I'm going to click on Pharmakia real quick. Um, now it's always translated as sorcery in here, but I believe it can also be translated as drugs, pharmacy. Um, and I'm not sure the, you know, uh, I mean, sorcery is definitely a good translation as well, but it just got me to thinking because I don't know that there's ever been a shutdown worldwide and the, the amount of control worldwide 
Um, I'm not here to suggest that anything's fake, that the pandemic is fake or anything like that. I know people close to me who um, are very healthy people who have gotten very sick from it. Now they've gotten through it. Um, and the people that I know have not been vaccinated, but they have been able to get through it. Um, and, you know, so there's kind of this lie that if you don't get the vaccine, you'll die or you'll kill other people for not getting it somehow. Um, but anyway, um, so I know that there's something real going around that is, you know, a bad flu, basically. And, um, but my point is that I don't know that there's ever been this much control around the world. And I have a hunch, and this is just a hunch, I'm not a prophet, that this is a big step towards the New World Order and the One World Antichrist system. I'm not suggesting that, you know, some people are saying that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. However, I do not agree with that because the mark of the beast is put on the hand or forehead, and I've never heard of a vaccine that's injected in the hand or forehead. Nor do you have to worship anyone to get it. You don't have to worship a false image to get this. So I know a lot of Christians that are taking it, so I'm not telling anyone that it's a sin to take it or anything like that. There's some people that worry that it could change your DNA or whatever. Um, you know, I kind of think that, I don't know, I, I, I'm not going to judge other people for their decision to take it or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> but my point is that um, they're using something to gain control. You know, and I'm wondering, because it says the merchants of the earth by their sorcery deceived the world. Um, deceived, what is the exact wording there? Uh, deceived the the great ones of the earth because of by their sorcery of you were deceived. All the nations, yeah, all the nations were deceived. So um, this is a definitely a huge step, and I... I think this is the first giant step. I mean, there's been a lot of little steps over the years that they've done to uh, slowly move us towards this. But this is the first giant step. And, you know, if God wills, maybe God will say it's not yet time and, and, he will, and things will go back to normal. And this was all just a beta test or they failed to <laughs> go as far as they were hoping to this time. Or it could be, the beginning of the end you know this could be the first step towards the final seven years uh, of the great tribulation and uh, they're going to use other things um, to make take even more control other means of fear you know um, and I kind of wonder if this verse when it talks when it says pharmakia if the if it's through pharmacia, if it's through pharmacy and drugs and and health care and all that that they are using to jumpstart this uh, system to deceive the the world, you know. And sorcery is another part of it, obviously. I mean, if you know the mystery religions and how they use magic and sorcery, um, drugs is a part of that, you know. But anyway, I was just thinking about that. And uh, just thought it's interesting. I'm not make. I'm not a prophet. I'm not suggesting this is accurate or true. I'm just saying it's something to think about. Um, and that, you know, at the very least, I don't think that the whole world has ever been under this much control. And it's based on fear. You know, something that I'd heard about in conspiracy circles for many years um, is is that they will use fear to you know, to uh, fear to, to manipulate us, to control us. And sometimes that fear is exaggerated. Sometimes the solution is the good solution through freedom that people could figure out on their own is different than what they tell us the solution is. And of course the solution is always power and control, you know. Um, I saw in... 
Bill Cooper's book, written in 89, I believe, it's called The Hold of Pale Horse, or in the early 90s, or whenever it was. Uh, actually, it was in the 90s, because the article that was, um, it was the article that was uh, posted, um, or there was a copy of this article from 1989 that had to do with how the New World Order would come about, and one of the possibilities in this article was through some pandemic, and that they would use a vaccine or something to, um, you know, some of the suggestion is that the vaccine would actually uh, control the population, that it would kill a lot of people off or something. You know, I don't really know what to think about that, but I have believed for many years before this pandemic that vaccines could um, actually harm the immune system and cause other problems such as autism and things. Uh, you know, so <clears throat> I've rejected to take any vaccines or flu shots in my entire adult life. And, you know, I've had some colds. You know, I get a cold every year, one or two colds, you know, depending on some years I don't get any. But, uh, you know, I haven't really gotten a flu, like a bad flu, except for, there was one cold that la lingered for about two months. And I, I think that happened because I took a whiff of chemicals, you know, I do pool service, and there was some strong chemicals. I was wearing this breathing mask to do a drain and acid wash of the pool, and I took the mask off for a minute and got a whiff and started throwing up and this cough has lingered I've had a dry cough problem this was eight years ago so this dry cough has lingered ever since then I don't think I had a cough issue before that so anyway that that's it but <clears throat> you know I think that the best way to help your immune system is through vitamins and minerals you know this is the the answer, but the you know the pharmaceuticals that are run by the CDC and the FDA and the WHO and all this stuff, um, you know they have something to gain when we buy drugs and vaccines and everything. But I also think that they're controlled by, and I'm not saying everybody that's in these organizations are part of the Illuminati, but I think at the very top they are. And the Illuminati being controlled by the dragon, Satan. So, you know, the, the thing is, they say, well, they, these people are the experts and we should listen to them. Well, what if the experts are corrupt? You know, what if they are lying to us? And that's something people need to think about, too. But anyway, I, I just wonder what you might think of that passage in Revelation 18. Do you think maybe Pharmakia is how they deceive the world and then that's kind of a big jump start now you know um, so anyway now I'm gonna do a funny bit um, I don't know like I've done so many of these and I am too lazy to look through every episode I've done I may have done this one before but I don't think so this is called 10 ways to attract a guy like me because I'm very particular and there's no compromise. Number one, you must have a pulse. If you're dead, you might as well go back to the grave because it's not happening. Number two, be a single female human being. No animals, okay? I'm tired of this. And no Caitlyn Jenner. Number three, you must be between the ages of 18 and 125. If you're under 18, you're illegal for me. 
if you're over 125, you probably don't have a pulse. Now, if you're 126 and you happen to be alive, then number four, don't pick your nose in public on Thursdays. Picking your nose in public on Thursdays is unattractive and disgusting. If you pick your nose uh, in public any other day in the week. Number six, know how to count from one to 10. If you can't count from one to 10, it's not happening. Number seven, you must give me your correct phone number. If you don't give me your correct phone number, I'm sorry, but it's over. That's the way it is. I'm not interested anymore because quite frankly, even if I was, I wouldn't be able to get hold of you. Number eight, looks matter. If you refuse to look at me, I'm sorry, but it's not happening. On the other hand, if you're blind, number nine, be yourself. If you're somebody else, how am I supposed to know who you are? It's confusing. And besides, how do you do that? I mean, it doesn't make sense. Number 10, subscribe and hit the thumbs up or thumbs down and leave a comment in the comment section. If you leave a comment anywhere else, it's not happening because that's the way YouTube set it up. Thank you for watching. I hope this has been very informative to all of you. And remember, be kind and please rewind. Um, so, <laughs> the uh, music, by the way, is by a Christian rock band called The Resurrection Band, or also known as Rez, R-E-Z. So, uh, I can't remember what the name of that song is, but just to give credit where credit is due on that. So, now we're going to talk about the prosperity gospel, the... Uh, Ye Are Gods movement, the New Apostolic movement, the uh, Word of Faith movement. It's mainly, a, you know, called Word of Faith, but they're all kind of lumped together normally in the charismatic movement. And um, some of this, you know, like the Word of Faith movement um, proclaiming something by faith I mean, it's very subtle. Satan is very subtle, you know, because Jesus said, if you have enough faith, you can move mountains. You know, the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. But I believe that it has to be in God's will. You know, you can't just do whatever you want by proclaiming it. The idea of proclaiming something, I believe, is a new age concept or it's a it's a magic, a concept of magic. You know, like if you have the thought and believe it enough, it'll happen, you know, positive energy, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, that is not a biblical thing. Um, now, I do believe that we should pray for things and that, you know, ask God for healing. And God does that when he wills to do it. You know, I'm not suggesting that I know when somebody has the gift of healing or whatever, but it's not something you have to work up enough energy to get. Either God gives it to you or he doesn't, um, you know, or the gift of prophecy or whatever it is. But I feel like some of these churches are trying to push people to, you have to have more faith. And if you have more faith, you will get these gifts. But that's not always the case. Uh, the other part, the ye are gods, comes from a passage. So I'm going to read this passage in context. They get this from Psalms 82. 
and out of context, the verses, I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Um, Jesus quoted this as well, but let me read the whole psalm because what they do, some of these apostate leaders will take this and suggest that we, be, we are gods. Um, you will find this a lot on TBN. I'm going to be playing some audio here in a minute, but I wanted to give some context. Uh, I'll start in verse 1. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Um, I'm going to look up the uh, Hebrew interlinear here for a second. Okay, so interesting. It uses the word Elohim, which also is the word it uses um, for God with a capital G. It takes his stand, Elohim. I'm trying to see if there's any differences as far as like... Um, dashes or little things you know I'm not a Greek expert um, but anyway um, but then it says will you judge when until to the wicked and unjust oh I'm sorry I'm still on the Hebrew let me go back to ESV um, in the midst of the gods he holds judgment how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked give justice to the weak and the fatherless maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute rescue the weak and the needy deliver them from the hand of the wicked they have neither knowledge nor understanding they walk about in darkness all the foundations of the earth are shaken i said you are gods sons of the most high all of you nevertheless like men you shall die and fall like any Prince, arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. Um, now, first of all, to there, there's also a teaching that suggests that there are many gods out there, that the fallen angels or the angels themselves are called gods in the Bible, and that God is, Jehovah is the God Most High which I disagree with that. I think what he's saying here, it's kind of like if you were talking about, I don't know, a, a religion that has idols and that they call them gods and that you were going to talk to them and preach to them and say that these gods are just made by human hands. You might use the term gods when you're talking to them, but then say these are not... <laughs> You know they do not have power they're they're nothing um, and I believe that the the gods of this world are oftentimes they're either fallen angels or they're kings you know they're they're people that proclaim themselves to be or they act like gods um, and things of that nature but the fact that he says like men you shall die now, does a God, can a God die? Now, some will say, well, Jesus died. Well, he, he became a man and died for a reason. So, at least that's my understanding of it, is that it's using this as a, it's using the word gods as this is what the nations consider their gods to be. Um, but God, the Most High, the true God, will judge them. Um, and I... There's people that seem to suggest that there are, um, you know, maybe I've misunderstood him, but Michael Heiser seems to be one that suggests that there's uh, many gods and there's one most high God, but I, I disagree with that. And maybe I'm misunderstanding him. Um, but then there's the uh, apostate movement that preaches that ye are gods, um, out of, and, and I think this is out of context. I really believe that it's saying the, 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 those that we, that people have called their gods, whether it be fallen angels, whether it be idols, whether it be kings, will all be judged by the true God. And there's really only one God. I mean, if, because um, if that's not what it means, then the Bible contradicts itself, and, you know, I don't believe it does. 
So I just wanted to start with that. <laughs> and uh, I know there's going to be, there might be people that would attack this view. Um, and it is a difficult um, passage, but I, I believe that uh, that's what it means. But let me play um, some clips from a documentary um, called, or it's a, a video, and I'll, I'll leave a link below, uh, called Ye Are Gods um, Heresy. And you'll hear some, some pastors saying some things that I think is very uh, apostate. Do you know what else that is settled then tonight? This hue and cry and controversy that has been spawned by the devil to try and bring dissension within the body of Christ, that we're gods. I am a little god. Yes. Yes. I have the his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relation. Yeah. I am a little god. Critic, you are anything that he is. Yes. Listen to this exposition of Genesis 1, 26 and 27 from Creflo Dollar. Now, in verse 26 and verse 27, God now submits himself to this principle of everything producing after its own kind. And in verse 26 and 27, let's read it out loud. Ready? Read. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now that's interesting because if everything produces after its own kind, we now see God producing man. And if God now produces man and everything produces after its own kind, if horses get together, they produce what? And if dogs get together, they produce what? If cats get together, they produce what? But if the Godhead gets together and say, let us make man, then what are they producing? They're producing gods. Now, I got to hit this thing real hard in the very beginning because I ain't got time to go through all this. But I'm going to say to you right now, you are gods, little g. You are gods because you came from God and you are gods. You're not just human. The only human part about you is this physical body that you live in. Well, a chicken can't have a dog. Uh, a billy goat can't have an elephant. Elephant have elephant. I have said, and God said, ye are God. He says, I call you God. You know, why do people have such a fit about God calling his creation, his creation, his man, not his whole creation, but his man, little gods? If he's God, what's he going to call them but the God kind? I mean, if you as a human being have a baby, you call it a human kind. If, if cattle has another cattle, they call it cattle kind. So, I mean, what's God supposed to call us? Doesn't the Bible say we're created in His image? You know who you are? Turn to Psalm 82. This is going to blow your mind real good. Psalm 82, 1. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. That's you. He judgeth among the what? Now, would you please listen to me? This is talking about you. He's telling the gods. Who are the gods? You are. See, I never heard that. Let me ask you this. Hello, you. Are you God's offspring? Then you're not human. So this God-like person inside of Benny Hinn right here has nothing to do with flesh and blood. He's a part of God. He's a little God walking in a, in a little body saying in Jesus' name, God came from heaven, became a man, made man into little gods went back to heaven as a man. He faces the Father as a man. I face devils as the Son of God.
Jesus said, go in my name, go in my stead. Don't say, I have, say, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Say after me, within me is a God-man. Say it again. Within me is a God-man. Now let's say it even better than that. Let's say, I am a God-man. Because you are divine. We got to get you acquainted with your divinity. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. Here's where it's going to get big for some people. Get ready. Go ahead. Email me now in that place. Go ahead. You tap into who you really are. You know what the Bible calls you? It says you are a little Elohim. You are a little God. How many of you are children of God? Oh, see, no, listen, listen. Nobody has problems saying, I'm a child of God. Everybody has problems saying, I'm a little G. Oh, everybody has problems saying, listen, let, let, let's get down to it. Everybody got problems saying, I'm a God. Yeah. See, look at you just had a problem. <gasps> but I didn't say it. He said it. When you say, I'm a Christian, you're saying, I am Mashiach in the Hebrew. I'm a little Messiah walking on earth, in other words. They are called little gods, but they will die like men. They will be judged by the Most High. And here they are calling themselves little divinities and even calling Christians that. Um, where does this originate from? The same place that the mystery religion's ideas originate from. And it wouldn't surprise me if Freemasons or other you know, mystery religion people from secret societies started this movement just like they started Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses and other uh, apostate movements with Christian Kabbalah, etc. Uh, I believe that it's very possible that this whole concept came from that. You think of Genesis chapter 3, this is where the, the uh, Luciferian idea comes from. When Satan said, you will not die. Instead, your eyes will be open and you shall be as gods, knowing the difference between right and wrong. So Satan is telling them that they won't die. But Psalms 82 says they will die like men. So anyway, I don't think a true God can die. Not, you know, I mean, I talked about Jesus becoming a man to die for our sins, but death could not hold him either. But um, anyway, so um, that's the first section. And now I want to talk a little bit about the Word of Faith movement. I think this is connected to or rooted in the idea that ye are gods. And thus they take the idea that, you know, once again, they take scripture and stretch it. So when Jesus said, if you have the gift of, or the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And uh, I don't believe that Jesus is saying you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. Um, I believe that true faith is within God's will. And so that's very important to note. I mean, there's a, a part where Paul was sick and he was praying for healing and God said no. Um, for whatever reason, whatever the ailment was, you know, there was a situation. Uh, but anyway, the, the point is, um, it's kind of a, if ye are gods, or, I mean, if you are really gods, you can do whatever you want and you just have to proclaim, you know, those things. Uh, just like when God created the heavens and the earth and he said, uh, you know, let there be, and it was, right? So they're trying to stretch that into what faith is so anyway let's listen to some of this and I'll once again I'll leave a description uh, I'll, I'll leave a link to what this audio is from below the word of faith movement in many of today's charismatic and Pentecostal churches you'll see the word of faith movement let's define and explain this teaching the word of faith movement teaches that you as a believer have the power of faith to speak things into existence just as Yahweh spoke things into existence in Genesis. You just need to really believe it, and your desires will come true. This is unbiblical and blasphemous, for it's pretty much New Age metaphysics with Christianity sprinkled on top. 
Galatians 1.9 As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. The father of the Word of Faith movement was Kenneth Hagin. He passed away in 2003. But the movement continues with names like Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, T.D. Jakes, Joyce Meyer, and Joel Olstein. Keep those names in mind because you'll find their books all over the Christian section of the local bookstore. Be sure to avoid them and tell others to do likewise. These men are false teachers, preaching a blasphemous message and a false gospel. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. The Bible teaches that only God has the power to bring things into existence. 1 Samuel 2, verse 6 and 7. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. The Bible also teaches that when you have a need or a desire, you are to pray and seek God's will in any particular situation. Luke 22, verse 42. Yeshua said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God isn't always going to give you what you want. Perhaps His will is for you to struggle for a season and face diversity, and it's all for the glory of His name. The Christian life isn't this get-rich-and-successful program. We live by God and His word and His will. Everything else comes second to none. 1 John 5.14 If we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And Yeshua said it best when being tempted. Mark 4, verse 3 and 4 and when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Sound familiar? But he answered and said, it, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If you practice and follow this false gospel, repent and hear the true gospel. You are but a clump of mud. You can do nothing without Yahweh. The truth is, we are mortal and we are dead in our sins. But the good news is this. Yahweh, our Father, has provided a way of salvation in order for us to coexist with Him in the everlasting kingdom to come. And that's through His Son, Yeshua, the Messiah. John 11, verse 25. Yeshua said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. To look deeper into these false doctrines, I recommend looking into the Strange Fire Conference led by John MacArthur. It can easily be found on YouTube. Please share and subscribe if you enjoyed this video. Thank you and shalom. Okay, we'll take a music break here now, and I'm going to play a song by a band. I don't even know if they're still around, but I think you can find it on iTunes. This is a group called All Delighted People. They were uh, friends of mine here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that you know I heard probably seven, eight years ago, so I don't even know if they're still around. But anyway, look it up, All Delighted People. I'll try to leave a link if, if there is something for people to listen to. And this song is called Hallelujah.
Okay, so uh, sort of a connected to the Word of Faith movement is something known as the prosperity gospel. I'm not going to get too much into that, but it's basically taking spiritual truths and saying that the main focus should be on your health and wealth. Um, and this is all connected to ye are God, so if you have enough faith, you'll have health and wealth. And this can easily be disproven because, you know, biblically, because in you know, the book of Job, for example, here was a man who had everything and Satan wanted to tempt him or test him. God allowed Satan to test him um, by taking all his possessions away and eventually lost all his friends and some of his family and even his health. And people were re rebuking him, saying he must have done sin, something sinful against God. But um, that was not the case. Um, so... The prosperity gospel, I think, is just an offshoot of this word of faith movement. And so it's not anything um, to get too deep into. Uh, I think people are, are familiar. Another aspect of the prosperity gospel is that if you give money to the preacher, then he, then God will, you know, uh, award you tenfold. And they basically trick, you know, tithing, tithing and giving is good. But I think some of these pastors use it to, to get wealthy themselves. And they're using, you know, vulnerable uh, people. A lot of times, poor people that believe these things even more than, than wealthy people. And so here are these pastors that don't do anything to help the poor themselves. But they, now not all of them, I'm sure some of them do. So I don't want to speak for everybody here, but a lot of them are very wealthy. And I really believe that somebody that's in ministry um, should not live lavishly but live modestly and what modesty is is not for me to say that's kind of a gray area but I think that there is a level of wealth that's a little bit extreme especially for somebody that's in ministry um, sometimes ministries can be very fruitful or very popular. Um, whether or not they're fruitful, that's a different question. But very popular, and thus they make a lot of money. Maybe they sold books, you know, millions and millions of books, or uh, they have a mega church, and, and people watch them from all over the country, and they get tithes from 
people all over. You know, the televangelists that get money from people all over the world. And oftentimes they live like, you know, a heavy, a, a very, very popular Hollywood star, you know. And it, it's one thing to make that much money. It's, a, it's, it's how you use it um, that is fruitful or that is good or bad, you know. If you use that money for yourself, then that's selfish. But, you know, if they live modestly and then use a bulk of that money to help other people, you know, I think that's what true ministry should be doing. I'm sure that there are people in ministry that make millions and millions of dollars, but they live like they make 75000 You know, they live modestly, um, but they use a lot of that money to help poor people, to, to fund missionaries, to help widows, things like that. So there's nothing wrong with being rich or even being, making a lot of money in ministry. But at the very least, there needs to be accountability. But the other thing is this idea of preaching this health-wealth doctrine, and they're missing the entire point of the gospel. They use this verse, once again, a verse that they take and twist it, that says, by his stripes we were healed. They're talking, the verse is talking about the stripes of Jesus. Let me find the exact verse so that you can look it up yourself. This is actually an Old Testament verse, Isaiah 53, 5. It's a prophetic verse. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now in the context here, wounded for our transgressions, for our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities once again our uh our problems uh that we you know our sin you know um this is clarified in the new testament that by the blood of jesus we have been saved um so when it's talking about healing it's talking about spiritual healing not physical healing in fact a lot of the um, early church believers suffered quite a bit. A lot of times it was from the hands of, of the uh, Jewish leaders or the Roman leaders later on. And um, so there's kind of this, uh, and, and Jesus said, blessed are the meek, blessed are the, those who suffer um, for my sake. Um, it, it pro Jesus promised that his church, his people would go through uh, tribulation right? So um, suffering is, all, is a part of life. and is a part of this worldly system that we're in. And we are here mainly to spread the gospel. But one day we will die, we'll have, you know, the promise for health and wealth is actually in the new body when we are resurrected. Uh, not in this life. You know, this life includes suffering because it's full of sin. So, um, so that's basically what I have to say on the prosperity gospel. Now, when it comes to the prosperity gospel and the ye are gods thing, and, you know, uh, oftentimes it only appeals to the leaders. <laughs> you know, in most of these churches where they preach these things, it's the leaders that are the gods or the shepherds and the rest of the people or the sheep. Um, and uh, things like, um, and then, you know, so they're the gods. And then also, they're the ones that have the faith. You know, they, so you come to them for healing, right? So this kind of is going to be an introduction, this, the end of this podcast, to what we're going to be talking about next time. And uh, it's the New Apostolic Reformation. Now, we're going to get deeper into that in the next episode, but right now, in connection to what we're talking about, how one of the major things is that the New Apostolic Reformation wants the, uh, to, to renew, let, let me see what it says here on, in uh, Wikipedia, a movement which seeks to establish a fifth branch within Christendom, mainly I want to focus on this last sentence here, 
The restoration of the lost offices of church governance, namely the office, offices of prophets and apostle. Now, there's different views on apostles and all that. Uh, but I do believe that there are prophets today. I do believe that there uh, might be apostles today. I believe um, apostle was a missionary. Um, some people believe it was specific to those in the first, you know, called directly by Jesus to be apostles in the first century. Um, but I believe that they have um, redefined it to be something of like a a power position, you know, and, and as we were talking about before, not to lord over others. And, uh, you know, that's just one denomination, you know, and there's more, I mean, I don't know if it's the name of the denomination or if that's something that an apologist has called it, uh, or if it's just a general term for these kind of movements. Um, and like I said, the ye are gods and the prosperity gospel is not just in the charismatic movement, um, and, the, and not all charismatics agree with that. Um, and same thing with this new apostolic reformation which i'm not exactly sure if that's what they call themselves or if that's what the apologists call them um let me see here but um yeah so i think it's just this idea that uh that is actually in in other circles like um stephen anderson who is an independent baptist not even you know he speaks out against charismatics but i think he fits with where i'm going here at the end of this episode because he's very authoritarian in what he says goes in his church i think this is very um important and reminiscent um, i don't think i could ever stay at a church where the leadership is overpowering it's one thing for them to say i don't you know they they find a lack of wisdom and maybe a Bible study or they would suggest don't teach that that's unbiblical and this is why um, but the church you know that I go to is very they encourage the people in the church to start ministries and they although you know the, the elders are basically there as examples and I guess you could say watchmen to be sure that nobody goes apostate, you know, unbiblical in whether it's teaching or, or what have you, um, or leading people astray. But generally speaking, when it comes to people wanting to start ministries, they are hands off and they encourage that. They encourage people to do that. In other churches, um, they don't encourage that. You have to do it through their system, right? Um, and it, it becomes very controlling. Um, and there's different aspects of this. Um, you know, like there's a church, a, a mega church, the village, which doctrinally speaking is very good. But I've heard that once you get, you join in and you're, you're connected to it, they basically control everything. Like they control your bank account. Uh, if you want to um, not control your bank account, but they they have they can see everything that you're doing with that. Um, if you want to change jobs, you have to get permission. <laughs> you know, I've heard of testimonies like this, and this is a you know a theologically sound church. But I don't think that um, churches should have this much control over people. You know, it's, I think it's abusing that position. Um, it's one thing to have accountability. It's another thing to be controlled, you know. And I think that's one step away from a cult. I'm just being honest. Um, I'm not suggesting that the village is a cult. You know, I was involved in one of the home groups, but I never really joined. Um, I had no issues when I was there but I was just kind of a visitor um, going to a home group and going to the services. So they didn't have 
any control over me, but if I did, you know, join from, based on the testimonies that I've heard, the people that get so into it, um, they basically have no control over their own lives. Um, and maybe that's just a few people that had, you know, local specific situations that are not, you know, like everybody in the village. And maybe the most, most cases are not like that. Maybe it was just one um, small group leader or something. I don't know. So I'm not here to proclaim that it's the whole church. Um, I just heard some testimonies from that. Um, but, yeah, so th this whole concept and this whole idea of overpowering leaders is my definition of a cult. You've heard the term cult leader, right? A cult leader is somebody who has control over the minds of people. And they will get mad if people ask questions or think or correct, you know. Whereas a good leader should be open to correction, should have the humility. Um, if what they taught was unbiblical, you know, there should be accountability there, right? So that's one reason why I believe in the plurality of leaders in a church is... Um, the, the accountability. Now, our church does not have a senior pastor. We have different men that will preach on different Sundays. I'm not one of the leaders. I'm just saying the church that I attend. So I don't want it to sound like it's my church. Um, but different people will preach on different Sundays. There's not like a senior pastor. Now, there is one person that is kind of the organizer, administrator, and sets up topics and the people that are, that volunteer or the men that volunteer or are chosen to teach on a subject will teach on that subject um, but they're not really told exactly how to do it but the idea is that everybody in the church has the Holy Spirit and so um, it shouldn't be manipulated to the nth degree to where everything that you you know that is taught is already written up for you um, and that's one reason we also have open pulpit every Sunday during the worship service to give the Holy Spirit a chance to lead people and to share things that are on their heart. But um, what, one of the issues besides a lack of accountability for a senior pastor that I've noticed um, is that sometimes even though a pastor that is under accountability and um, and teaches sound doctrine, there is a danger oftentimes where some people in the congregation, and I'm not saying even most, but some, maybe in other cases most, but um, people in the congregation can idolize that person. And it's their church. They think of it the face of the church is this senior pastor, and this is why I go. And if that senior pastor retired or stepped down or whatever, that they would leave that church and look for another pastor that they like. So it's not about the community, the fellowship with other believers. It's about, you know, it's about that senior pastor. So, sorry, I didn't mean to get deeply into that because um, that's going to be another podcast. So I've kind of given an introduction to two different ideas of the New Apostolic Reformation and uh, and also a true church leadership, what it should be like. Um, but that was just uh, sort of mainly focused on the idea of a cult leader and um, how some of these things go, these prosperity church leaders and word of faith church leaders and things or ye are gods, somehow they believe that they are anointed to kind of be shepherds over the rest of us, um, or gods over the rest of us somehow. So, this is, um, once again, the Word of Faith Movement um, is the title of this one, and hope you have a wonderful day. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. 
I'm your host, Rob Hendrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 1618. Pride going before destruction.